my investigation. Between reminiscing with Jane, speaking with Corndog, lounging in my parachute pants, and blasting Oingo Boingo cassettes on my Walkman, I was feeling pretty immersed in the 1980s. But there was another popular trend in the 1980s that I hadn't explored. Namely, psychics. And it just so happened, I was acquainted with a famed medium who had been a key player in solving this case in the 1980s. She was a mistress of the spiritual realm, and her name was Debbie Dorfman. Debbie, John David Booter, thank you so much for speaking Hello, with me. Hello, John. So great to hear from you. And oh, you. I hope you've been well. Well, I, I mean, can... I know that you have because I see you right, uh, right. when you're sleeping. Hmm? <laughs> and what? And what can I do for you? Well, I am working on a new case, um, and I believe it's a case you're familiar with. Oh. It's, uh, it's actually the Davistown Goose oh. Gankings from the 1980s. Gosh, you know, it was a long time ago, but I I remember it like it was yesterday. Oh, good. good yeah, good. the Davistown police, they called me. They said, you know what, Deb, we got a problem. And I said, I already that. Right. And I gave them as much information as I could pull from the spiritual realm. You know, it was just, for me, it was a lot of, it was feathers, it was water, it was, it was honking, just haunting, honks, just honking, honking, these warbling, waterlogged, homesick honks, and I mean, that still haunts me to this day, John, it really does. I can hear those honks, those calling out, just repeatedly honk, 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 honk. Jesus. So that's what I told them, and, and, you know, from what I, from what I glean, it was instrumental in their solving the case, ultimately. Debbie's visions confirmed what Davistown police had suspected all along that whoever was committing these abductions had been targeting geese. You know, we were pretty sure right from the beginning that this was a case of jealousy. We just had a suspicion that whoever was taking all them geese, you know, had, had an obsession with them and, pro you know, probably wanted to be one. I'll just come out and say it. They probably want to be goose. So that was where the, where the bridge came in. Davistown police began surveilling the Bovington River, keeping a watchful eye out for humans exhibiting goose-like behavior. And one cold October night in 1987, police finally found what they were looking for when a splash was heard around Davistown near the Bovington Bridge. And we interviewed uh, a witness, and she said, she said, I saw someone, I saw someone dive off that bridge into the river, and she dived the most beautiful swan dive you've ever seen, and that's when it st I stopped. And I said, swan dive? You mean somebody was diving like a swan? So we uh, we found the di the swan diver and uh, pulling away in um, in their car. And we immediately followed them, you know, right off the Bovington Bridge, pull, pulled that car over, and it was a, a woman driving. She had feathers in her hair, and she was just soaking wet. She's dripping all over her seat. And as I'm sure you know, that turned out to be Bevins Maroney. 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 Bevins Maroney.
Bevin Moe, Bevin's Bevin's From my ivory tower in Davistown, Pennsylvania, this is Done Disappeared with me, John David Booter. Bevins Moroni. It was a name I'd heard throughout my childhood, but had never given much thought. Like the Boogeyman, Santa Claus, or the Davistown Strangler, Bevins Moroni was a name that the parents of Davistown used to frighten their children into good behavior. Don't go wandering off, they'd say. Or Bevins Moroni will gank you, they'd say. But what I hadn't known, couldn't have known, was that Bevins Moroni was very real. And on October 1987, she was pulled over by Davistown police near the Boovington Bridge. There was nothing in her car besides a bunch of goose feathers. She said she was delivering pillows to her sister and that the pillows had exploded in the car and that's why there were feathers all over. And I thought, well, why are you doing that at 2 a.m., Bevins Moroni? You, I know most people delivering pillows first thing in the morning, not late at night. But Bevins wasn't delivering pillows. And she didn't have a sister. Police arrested her on the spot. And just a few months later, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And to this day, Bevins Moroni still lives here in Davistown, Pennsylvania. Locked away in the Davistown Penitentiary. Just waiting for the right big-time filmmaker, podcast aspiring book writer to come along and tell her story. Hey guys, it's me. Is that hairline slowly moving backwards? Any bald spots yet? 66% of men start losing their hair by age 35, and if you're like me, you're in the 0.013% that's completely bald by age 7. When you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. Reach out and put your hands on your head. Now, spin around three times and say, My hair, my hair, my beautiful hair. How much hair are you going to feel a year from now if it's business as usual? Do you want a bald spot to pop up? Or do you want to do something about it? It's much easier to replace the hair you never had than try to replace the hair you lost. The question is, why do guys always turn to weird solutions? Like wearing old-timey top hats and screaming at strangers, I have hair, I swear. When instead, they could turn to medicine and science or glossily packaged chemicals from a random website. Forhims.com is a once-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Go to forhims.com slash disappeared and enter the promo code John David Booter for your first Forhims hairpiece made from the real human hair of an inmate in the Davistown psych ward. You won't. Bevins Maroney was a fascinating figure. And I had hit the jackpot. After all, she was the perfect living subject for my upcoming Pulitzer Prize-winning journalism book. As my ex-fiancee Lisa used to tell me every night before I fell asleep, making a movie is easy, but making a book? That's something truly special. 
It was time for me to prove that I was more than a podcast filmmaker, to prove that I had what it took to become a best-selling book writer, and that I was worthy of love. Luckily for me, despite her notoriety, it seemed there'd somehow never been a book written about Bevan's Moroni. However, there were countless podcasts who'd already covered her story. Support for Miscreant comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans and My Father Dennis. Bevins Maroney was born to unknown parents in Davistown, Pennsylvania, and was abandoned in the woods. She was found raised by an elderly lumberjack and his dogs until she left the woods in 1975 and became a media sensation due to her bizarre upbringing. Journalists across the globe were fascinated by Bevins' story and charmed by her brusque, candid demeanor. But these journalists were making a huge mistake. Because although Bevins was ultimately arrested in 1987 for allegedly ganking myriad gaggles of prized geese, she had already murdered countless aspiring book writers who'd attempted to tell her story. Over the course of a few weeks, Bevins would systematically manipulate these men into believing they shared a deep connection and were forming an understanding that could possibly lead to a friendship or even something more. And before they knew it, each of these book writers was brutally murdered or driven to suicide by Bevins Maroney. I'm Dee Dee Budge. This is Miscreant. I refused to listen to any of the podcasts covering Bevins Maroney for fear that their point of view would jeopardize the integrity of my investigation. All I knew was that Bevins Maroney had allegedly ganked myriad gaggles of prized geese in the 1980s. And to find out any more, I would have to speak to Bevins Maroney and hopefully share a deep connection with her and form an understanding that could possibly lead to a friendship or maybe something more. And if I did that, I would be in serious danger of becoming the greatest best-selling book writer in the history of cinema podcasts. Next week on Done Disappeared. Welcome to Shovel and Pale. I'm Mitch Goubert. Bevins Maroney was diagnosed with clinical depression in 1982, which of course meant she was bound to commit a series of murders at some point in her life. And if you disagree, you're even worse than a murderer and should end your own life immediately. Like almost all serial killers, this woman often felt very sad, but all of these warning signs were completely ignored. The fact that this extremely sick individual was given access to knives, food, water, and shelter makes me so outraged that I have to listen to raw audio of a man chainsawing off his own face to calm me down. Just a warning, the following clip may be disturbing. Done Disappeared is written by me, John David Booter. Edited by me, John David Booter. Produced by me, John David Booter, and my business partner, Bubbles. Additional reporting for this episode by me, John David Booter. Music by Steve Moore. For a full track list, look at our show notes. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, please, don't disappear.